Welcome back. Um, this is uh, episode two of the Carjacks with Cole and Chris. Say hi, Chris. Hi, Chris. That's his little shtick. <laughs> is that what you're going to do like every episode? It's always hi, Chris, straight from the Car Stoop Studios. Hi, atop. How, how many stories up are we here? I don't, I don't know. I, I'm scared of heights, so I try not to look. Yeah, well, we have the guy that runs the elevator. So when we get on the elevator, Chris turns around and doesn't see the button he pushes. When you go in the elevator, do you go straight to the back, or do you go in and then turn around right if there's somebody else in the elevator? Uh, go behind them? Yeah. Um, no, I don't. It okay. depends on the person, yeah. right? I mean, um, because one thing I do do, where do you sit? At a restaurant. When you go into a restaurant, where do you sit? Well, it depends. If you seat yourself, then it would more likely be at the bar or <laughs> at a booth. True. But I always face the door. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I see. What and what's funny is I didn't realize this, but I went my, – my son Tanner came home from school, college, over the weekend. Got him a motorcycle for the summer and whatnot. We didn't do anything with that. But I was like, hey, you have you eaten yet? He's like, no, I haven't eaten today. I'm like, what do you mean you haven't eaten today? Seven o'clock at night, you know. But anyway, we go to Waffle House, and we walk into Waffle House, and we're kind of walking next to each other, and he sets down at the booth and faces the door. And I was like, "What are you doing? I need you to move over here." And that's where I sit now. I go, "No, I sit there." And he's like, "I always face the door, Dad." I go, "Well, you're gonna have to trust me on this <laughs> one." <laughs> <You know? laughs> so move. So, but yeah, uh, the elevator. I, I just get on, especially this elevator, just because you know I know the guy. Yeah, you yeah. know. But um, so, this is episode two, and um, we gave you an intro last time about what we're looking to do. And Chris and I decided to talk. We were like, "What do you think we want to do for this episode?" And I think it's uh, and he and he too, uh, where we are right now in the drug business. Where we've been and where we're going, so in the post-COVID auto industry um, is is one of those moments. And you know, I like being have done it, you know, this long, um, twenty six, twenty seven years. Um, the things I've seen, um, I think, in the are are significant in how many real moments that I can remember. And so, if you start with where I where I began. You know, people were signing up with Prime Credit, and, you know, at 7.9, 8.9. It was no big deal. And when dealers, when Ford was running special rates, they were running 5.9, right, or 4.9. And then 72 months is not very common. So if they throw something out there on an expedition, 4.9 at 72 months is a big deal. Um, and then, so then the first major shift for me in the car business um, was our was set would be a September of two thousand one, um, nine eleven, and that initially forever changed the car business and and and, and why? Because um, at that time we were still doing right. These four point nine was a good rate, um, which is crazy, and um, so then we had nine eleven, and. They gave us zero percent financing and employee pricing for everybody, and 
forever changed the financing side of the business um, because once you do it, it's like you can't ever take it away. So zero point zero percent, one nine, two nine, seven two months, uh, stacking them with rebates. I mean, it was a for a while there in October of '01, I sold forty six cars. That was my largest month in the car business, um, and it's also my worst CSI. So I, I took CSI extremely important, but when that happened, I couldn't I couldn't follow up with people fast enough to their liking. And um, there was a lot of throw your keys at people and thanks for coming in um, things for me, which I don't take pride in, but it happened, you know. So um, so that changed the pricing model, employee pricing for everybody. Um, so discounts and stacking them with rebates and then the incentives. So that was a major shift in my car business life and how business would now be done. Well, the next one was cash for plunkers 2008 yeah and uh i was a used car manager um for um bird ford and uh god rest his soul um fantastic man and cash for plunkers came on um and it it, it literally i mean it killed Rich Bird. And the reason why, and this is from somebody who's very well connected with what happened, if for, lose for any listeners out there, um, Rich Bird was uh, a dealership, a dealer in Indianapolis, Bird Ford, and uh, he committed suicide. Um, and it was a shock to everybody that knew him. And from an insider, you know, and I don't know all the personal reasons from the standpoint of family or finances other than the finances that I was directly involved with. And in that, um, the cash for clunker scenario was something that this man couldn't couldn't survive. And, and the reason why is because it was successful from the standpoint of sales. Like we were taking people off the market early. We, I don't even want to go into the horrible cars, that the, the, the great cars they crushed and ruined and took off the market, you know, it took out. I mean, uh, it's disgusting and sickening when I look back at some of the cars I watched or had to pour the liquid into the motor and let it run, um, destroyed. Um, but the cash for clunkers fiasco um, really hurt people because you couldn't get your rebates back fast enough. So we, th we would be working, we'd have somebody come in at like 10 o'clock at night and start filing for the cash for clunkers rebate because the website was so jacked up during the day and you, you would you would put in all the information and then you'd hit submit and then it would scroll and then it would say lost connection and blah 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 you have to start all over it was horrible so if you're not familiar with cash for clunkers most people listening to this would be there was a rebate 3500 bucks i believe if i remember correctly um, for a qualifying vehicle, no matter what it was, and the dealer had to give that rebate up front. So that means your contracts that were coming back from the bank were thirty-five hundred dollars shy. And then you had to support, you had to, you had to apply for the warranty. You had to make sure that the war or the rebate. You had to make sure the rebate you were giving, these people actually qualified for, 
and because uh, there were people, remember, that were going out and buying cars, uh, you know, dollar or whatever, and then trying to bring them in, faking registrations, all kinds of stuff. And um, you had to make sure that the car qualified. Well, you had to give that rebate up front. So if you, you know, gave 10 rebates, you were giving up $35,000. Well, we were up to like 300 $350,000 that were due to us. Um, and I think it went past that. But we weren't getting our rebate on time. And um, so Rich came out of, became out of trust with Ford. And, um, and then I don't know all the other things, right? I don't know everything because um, who knows? There's people that do know, but I, but the stress level of that man, the last three weeks of his life, um, was very understandable now that I look back at it, and 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 knowing that he was only had one way out to save his family, right? But so so that's kind of down uh, and off, but but these are reasons and what I've seen in the car business. It's affected people's lives. Of course. You know, um, so you go to that. And then we jumped to COVID and uh, the way it changed the world. So um, with COVID, it literally initially shut dealerships down. So everything was closing. Yes, I did. I'm a company man. <laughs> so with COVID, it literally initially shut dealerships down. So, you know, with the, the whole essential thing. And uh, then you had the individual states lobbying to make sure dealerships are essential. Um, that without transportation, and, you know. Um, and so you had individual states lobbying. So like the Indiana... Car Dealers Association would have been going to the, you know, the state leaders and making sure that they get things open as fast as possible, and they didn't. So you had initially you had them shutting down, um, and that whole thing, and the way you had to sell cars with people coming in and all the hand sanitizers and had to be inspected and made sure everybody had masks and, you know. Um, it was a very, very, very difficult time. Oh, it was crazy. I mean, going to dealership to dealership, you know, seeing guys scramble that had no idea what essentially they were doing, putting screens up at each desk and um, hiring anti, uh, you know, sanitizing companies coming in, cleaning every day, um, advertising that their dealerships were sanitized to the max i mean it was almost like wow um what what are we going to do next it was like a race to see who was going to be the cleanest <laughs> dealership uv technology yeah um but yeah and so and then you go into the covid sales environment okay um and it, we weren't, we weren't, you and I talked about it. We weren't in it a couple months. And 
a salesperson's st standpoint, um, once the the two or three months went by, and then they okay, let's sell cars, um, and and then as it started moving towards supply, when the chip thing initially, right? So it, it was kind of trickling. And then when it got to the point where they found out they weren't going to be getting cars, and then the pricing war came in. And remember when we were talking to, we know salespeople all over the city, all different dealerships. We know their ability, right? We know specific people and what they can, could not do in a real environment of salesmanship, of features and benefits and walk-arounds and follow-ups and all the things that make you a professional in the car business didn't have to be done and you were able to, to achieve consistent commissions with confidence and the ability for you know, the, the availability for massive increases in income by subpar salespeople and how it destroyed or expedited their big heads. Let's not even say subpar because I think once COVID hit, you've seen a lot of guys jump out of the business that were unsure of what was going on. And, you know, they were like, uh, I don't know if this, if, you know, if I'm going to hang around and do this, they move on. And then they're hiring people that's never sold cars before. Yeah. And, and then the, the people that never sold cars before getting making ten grand a month. Yeah, cashing cashing in their lottery tickets. They've made more money uh, doing this in the the COVID period than they ever made in their life. Ever made in their life. By doing what? By taking an order or maybe scanning their own groceries at Kroger is what it equivalent to. Because somebody come in and say, "Hey, I'd like a buy a." you know, any, any type of car and it's not there. Well, you can put a deposit in on one and you can get it when you get here and it's X amount of price to cheap. Take it or leave it. You know, um, I, and I witnessed it. I witnessed it literally, you know, I'm sorry folks. Um, either you take it or the next person that walks in the door will. So it doesn't really matter. Right. Um, and we talked about how the, the flip side of this, what are these dealerships going to be dealing with when it's done? And we knew it was going to be done. It, it, we didn't know when, but we knew it was going to be done. And it kind of got done in November. Um, end of, no, wait a minute. Uh, end of September, 1st of October, when they had that first interest rate that very first interest rate hike and what it did to auto in, uh, auto uh, incentives. And then they started, the banks and the, all the banks started adjusting accordingly. Um, and then you s started to get some inventory. So, and we talked about as soon as multiple dealers have multiple cars, you're going to lose the ability to say, find another one. 
right? So it seems you they can find a better way, which has happened. You know, the per the salesperson that's out there talking to these people, who's never had to overcome an objection, um, really, or a follow up, or get them back in the door. We knew it was going to be like an implode. It's just going to explode. Yeah, because there was no relationships made, and you know, and I know that that's the biggest part of of you know being successful in the auto industry is developing relationships where they uh, the first person they think of is you when they uh, need a car or somebody in their family needs a car and those people that just said take it or leave it I'm not going back to him to buy a car yeah well yeah there's gonna be a lot of that there's gonna be a lot of really bad moments um, not even speaking about how upside down people are gonna be from over MSRP yeah, heaven forbid they had the credit score to warranty the 130, 140% um, plus, plus, plus. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Because the warranties were for full boat, everything, right? Yeah. The the extra glass coat protection, um, you know, all the and, – and, 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 and honestly, I mean, I was a manager during this time, right? Uh, I – there was add-ons that – we're just, I'm sorry, you know. And from a dealer standpoint, initially, um, it w I don't think initially the thought process was to do it long term. Because nobody thought that the that it was going to be like this. It, we've never had to deal with no cars, you know. So um, in their defense... I'm not mad at them from the standpoint of this is the market and this is how it is. Well, no, you know, no, it's making money. It's just w that's what it's all about. Mm -hmm. Making money. Yeah, you know, um, but the byproduct of doing it and not having the right people represent you, um, you know, I think uh, is forever going to, you know, change. It's going to change the, the landscape of the car business. Mm -hmm. um, so the post-COVID auto industry, um, in 2019, I think it was 2019, NADA in Vegas, um, the Cox Automotive Group, um, they, they said like customer experience is going to be the number one driving point in the future of car business. And if you think about the last three years, how there was such a lack of customer experience, right? Um, but Cox Automotive knew what they still know. They know they know it all. They're, they have their if in, they have their hand on the pulse, um, and have people in the right places, and they they they're they pretty much know what's going to be next. And COVID expedited the customer experience scenario because before COVID it's like 13% of buyers are willing to purchase an automobile completely online from start to finish okay um, post COVID it's over 70% and right now it's probably even higher because that's just the consumer willing to do it well during COVID the dealers were forced to figure it out and became 
I don't want to do off-site deliveries, bring them into my store and waste all their time to advertising that they'll bring the car to you. Um, now, and then you take go into how much, think about the money that dealerships saved on not having to advertise. Because there was a long stretch of we didn't have very much, many commercial. commercials. So that money, because I already know, I know what they were charging for those, because they was charged against my bonus or at the end of the month, right? I yeah. got to see that, mm -hmm. how much we spent on TV. Yep. So, um, that's just another spot that they made extra money because they didn't spend it there. Sure. Um, I think in Georgia, let me know. Somebody's out there. It's way louder than normal. So if you hear something in the background like that, and it might pop in here. Let's see what happens. But um, so now you're in the the post-COVID world. We have car stacking up. I went by a couple of Ford stores and like there's a lot of F-150s. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, it looked like uh, the Buick GMC store had quite a few trucks and some SUVs. Mm -hmm. What are you seeing? Um, I'm seeing uh, a, a ton of used cars out there as well. And then um, just the other day I was looking for a vehicle and I got a list of of cars that were usually only available by order, and now there is availability of said vehicles that are are actually available to go to the dealership and, and purchase if you if you wanted one. I had a couple interactions with some dealers lately. Um, it looks like the higher end trim lines are still trying to get over MSRP. Is that true? Yeah, um, but they're still being careful about it. I think if if you're ordering one. They're they're going back to the MSRP uh, level now. Um, that's not saying if the vehicle comes in that they're not going to put something on top of it, uh, an appearance package or something like that, to put it over the MSRP. But I think they're treading very lightly now. If you're looking at stuff that you know, obviously the Cadillac models, the Escalades are still not there. Um, the Yukons. They're still really not there, but over MSRP. Yes, they're still over. Yes. Okay. Um, and then it looks like there's more SUVs and trucks, and not as many sedans, like Correct. Camrys, Accords, mm -hmm. new. Um, what you know, or small. But what are you seeing out there? Small SUVs. Like what's HR? Even brand. Like name the brands that you're seeing. Yeah. Well. You know, I, I push back against that because as far as like Toyota, the really sedans is the only thing that's that's coming. For them. For them, for Toyota. They, they don't have no, no uh, Tacoma. No. Um, when the new Sequoia came out, which is pretty awesome, It <laughs> you know, that that's going to be a tough if ticket. I, I, I would – it's the one SUV that I would drive. Oh, it's awesome. Yeah. It's uh, – I'm a Toyota fan, so I have a, I have a Tundra. And, um, but I like my truck, but if I could figure out a way to get my wife in the, that Sequoia. Absolutely. Then we'd head right over there to 141st street to see our, our friends there. <sighs> yeah. Um, no, but, uh, Honda, same, same kind of thing. Now they're more HRV, CRV, 
Um, you know, the minivan thing still isn't around, which that was a huge thing during COVID is, you know, minivan spring break. That's that's your number one seller that you're going to sell is a minivan now. True. Uh, Odyssey, Sienna, and they weren't there. Um, and the chip shortage, you know, you, we've stopped hearing about it, but yet um, we still, like, I have a car, my Camry, it, I still don't got the second pod because of the, the, chip, the chip shortage. So, and that will be done as a recall, I guess, when. Yeah, and, and uh, that's not just Toyota. Uh, no, no. Yeah. Um, there's, I saw some reports are still building some cars um, that re- would, would get like a power step. And they're, it's, you know, a trim level, the power step will be included or whatnot. Mm-hmm. They're not getting the power step. Yeah, or a heated seat. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, in the back, you mm-hmm. know. So, um, and then they're making adjustments on the MSRP accordingly for those vehicles. Um, but, yeah. So, I mean, and from what I've read recently, not don't expect it to be back to normal anytime soon still. No, nobody it, knows. Yeah. I mean that so it's up in the air on the manufacturing side. Um, and then, of course, you got the, on the U.S. side, um, both sides of the aisle are wanting to figure out a way that we're making chips in America, if not, you know, North America, right, um, in this hemisphere. And um, so... You know, I, I think um, when you go back to manufacturers and go back to inventory and whatnot, I think it's also um, important to realize that you're never going to see inventory setting on a lot at these large stores anywhere near what it used to be like. So what it looks like is you know, before you had dealerships with, um, you know, 150, 200 days of inventory. Huge floor plan. Yeah. Um, and also, you know, a lot, lot of acreage, right? I mean, if you look over here at um, 131st and State Road 37, the amount of asphalt there, now behind the body shop, even, that was all for inventory. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we used to need it. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. back then we yeah. didn't have it. And uh, we had stuff on the grass and mm-hmm. mud pit. Remember that? Yeah. I mean, same way when they built the Toyota store, 141st Street, it was like, oh, my God. I mean, it, it was humongous. And we – I remember when they were building it and just building the the uh, parking lot, we were like, how many cars is this? And it was full. I mean, how many cars can this place hold? And they, they filled it full of cars. Yeah. Well – so selection-wise, um, you're never going to have the inventory ever again. It's it's going to forever be less. And it looks like about 60 to 70 days of inventory is what the manufacturers are kind of shooting for. What happened during the, the whole inventory, lack of inventory, it, it showed the auto manufacturers that they don't need um, – to have all this inventory out there sitting and that and they could protect their pricing a little bit more and if they could figure out a way to keep the flow going on the cars that people will buy the cars um, 
so I, you're, you're never going to see it. it. Literally, COVID technically, um, from an insider in the Deepak, the strength of Nissan Corporation pre-COVID to now is probably one of the largest turnarounds ever because Nissan had so much undelivered inventory when the when it start when it happened that it was kind of for un, foreseen there was no stopping it there was going to be some serious problems they have so many cars that weren't selling any cars and you can see them going through bankruptcy and it was like one of those moments in the car business like, and they all got sold and they all got every sold. single one every yeah. dealership yeah all of them gone yeah you know and I was a new car manager during this at a Nissan store, and twice we sold out of our inventory. Majority of the time, the last six months, our average day of inventory was under double digits. So we would have 10 new cars, nine new cars on the lot. Um, and, and trying to buy cars at the auction that were two years old, Thirty thousand miles for three grand over MSRP of the original car. So, you know the the, the prices that dealers were having to pay for inventory um, because you go into the auction and literally just watch Carvana and CarMax on the auction website buy everything. Yeah, just like you had a robot hitting the the, the bid button. Yeah, they bought a Tesla. Well, yeah, but I mean just watching them buy the car. Mm-hmm. You know, or Enterprise mm-hmm. or Hertz, because they didn't care what they were paying for a car. They it was reoccurring income for them. They were going to rent the cars. They couldn't get cars from the same car. We, they couldn't get cars either. Like we couldn't get cars. You know, so um, the prices model would be the fourth thing in my lifetime that I that's monumental that. The way that people had to deal with dealerships and prices and trades and money down uh, will forever change how they buy cars. Um, that was another thing. Money down during that time. The, the amount of money down and people paying cash for cars in, the, the, in those 24 to 36 months is will, will never be duplicated. Because all those people were locked down, still working from home mobily, banking all this money, not going on vacations, right? Um, staying home, not paying for gas, selling their cars. A lot of people were selling vehicles. Yeah. Right? I don't need it. Yeah. Right? Extra cars. And um, and then the amount of people coming in and stroking checks. And you, it used to be back in the car day, we're going to pay cash. Oh, really? Who are you getting your money from? Well, my bank. Right? So they weren't going to pay cash. They were bringing a check in from another bank. But n- then, now, it became for literally every single conversation was like, yeah, we're going to pay cash or we're going to put $40,000 down. A what? Yeah. I mean, and, and it was, and it happened a lot. And I would like to know the national increase of that number because I witnessed it. Mm-hmm. And it was almost to the point of, you know, because if you weren't making money, lots of times, um, if you weren't making money on the back um, and you were selling a, um, well, our dealership um, didn't charge over MSRP for any vehicle, and that was initially 
because he that's the way that the owner wanted it to be. That's the fair way. You know, uh, but some of the dealerships didn't do that. Um, but so so if you weren't getting your finance on the back end, you you know, I mean, you know what the markup is on a Nissan Sentra? Like 800 bucks, you know? $1,000 markup on a Frontier? I mean, there wasn't any money up the front of the car. So if you weren't, if you're getting cash, it really hurt the, you know, us the ability to make a check to the department, you know? So that's part of the pricing model that um, Weber changed. Um, and then you go into uh, the banks, uh, the amount of that they find out. Do you know this, Chris? Do you know there's some banks now? The intro, the rates went up, cars started to stack up, the sales numbers are down by the dealerships I've talked to, um, 40%. Some places 50. So if you're down 40% on monthly deliveries, um, new and used, you know, financing, everything, you're down 40%. Um, that's gonna it's gonna lose some people there's gonna be some turnover um, I there's a lot of water right now in the used car I know some dealers that have cars that uh, you know their their average age of inventory is 70 days um, this is a, this is a problem that I knew was coming um, it, it eventually was gonna break so you're gonna have dealers that are stuck with cars that can't if, if they're going to reprice them, um, you know, they're going to lose three, four, five, six, seven thousand dollars $7,000 above. Um, and, and I think, you know, five to seven is probably more like the number. You know, you have some dealers that their used cars are cash. So he loses the money, but not to a bank. It's his money. Um, there's very few of those, but there's a couple here in the area that all the used cars are cash. Um, but the ones that aren't, it's only got 30 cars and 20 of them are 70 days old, right? Um, they can't cut them loose at the sale, um, you know, then they can't pay the interest, and then they're going to dump them. I mean, the Carvana dump's coming. Yeah, and I mean, how hard would it be to sell them? Because the you look at some of the used cars are priced at what a new one is, you know? I mean, so... I think that's always been kind of the thinking of, you know, clients that I've dealt with when they come in, you know, you try to show them the right vehicle, the right price, and you show them a vehicle that's used with, uh, you know, let's say 20,000 miles, and it's priced right at or over what a new one is, and what what do they instantly say? Why would I buy a used one when I can buy a new one? Well, this I just dealt with this, you know. So my wife, we we didn't need a car for a while. She was driving um, her son's car because he was in college. We were in the we just didn't need a vehicle. We had some changes in our life. Well, she wanted to own a car again. He's going to be home from school in a month or so. So same thing. And we got a used twenty two. Kia Sportage, black on black, suited condition, loves it, blah, blah, blah. Hates the gas mileage. Hates the gas mileage. Yeah. She's not happy. And I just said, well, it's an SUV, so. She wants to get out of it. We know that. 
You know, but that thing uh, was just under MSRP of a new one, but there were no new ones. So none, you know, and it was a body style change. And she wants, of course, the higher trim level. And so when I was doing some homework, the higher trim levels were at the Kia stores were still going for, you know, four or five grand over MSRP. That's what they were trying to do. But there was none. That's what they wanted. There was none there anyway. So it didn't matter. So, you know, I, we just dealt with it. And, um, but we got great service. I'll put a shout out to Lowe's. You know, they do a good job over there at, uh, at Marquis Fishers. You know, good people. And so, um, so the post-COVID world, um, customer experience. And this is a good plug for Carsnoop. Carsnoop.com. Carsnoop.com is stress-free car buying. Um, what Carsnoop does is they're your advocate. And you go to Carsnoop.com, you build the vehicle you want, um, make, model, trim, packaging, and um, kind of build a wish list. And then you can also put in your trade-in, take pictures of your car, um, upload the photos, descriptions. And then if you hit send, it goes out to their over 80 dealers um, and they can respond back with offers on cars they have that match your wants and needs and then they can give you pricing on your trade-in what's good about Carsnoop is um, you can choose to share your personal private information with the dealer that has earned that so if they finally come back with a car and a price that you like and you want to move forward then that's the dealer that gets your personal private info instead of having uh, multiple people have it and then hounding you, calling you, blah, blah, blah. Then look at it this way. Say you're interested in a Honda and a Toyota and a Volkswagen. And once you go look at the Honda and the Volkswagen, you realize you don't want them. You want to buy the Toyota. Well, now you're still getting the Honda and the Volkswagen guy calling, you know, and you don't need a call from them. So Carsnoop helps with that. Um, build a profile. You have a garage. In your profile, you can put your current vehicles in there. And then also, um, if you leave your garage open, dealers are going to be able to make you offers on your cars um, that you currently have. So they can buy inventory from people. Um, and then the dealers know that the person's real. Carsnoop knows they're dealing with dealers, or the user knows they're dealing with dealers, so they can feel confident um, of the transaction. Lots of more tools with Carsnoop. Uh, but it's all about user experience, um, ease of ease and privacy, and stress-free. So you're doing the purchasing process at your pace and deciding who uh, knows who you are, who doesn't. Right, Chris? Yeah, and, and not to uh, leave out our uh, brand-new location on 96th Street and Masters road where you can actually stop in and uh, uh, take a look and, and talk to one of us and you know if you're ready or if you're two months three months down the road then uh, you can uh, get uh, all set up I just screwed up there I was trying to give you a um, the clap there we go the clap on the new Carsnoop location. Watch out, guys. Coles is starting to figure out buttons, and who knows <laughs> what's going to happen. Yeah, I, I'm starting to figure out that I have these. Uh, calm down, everybody. Sit, sh yeah. sit down. 
Okay, okay, guys, thank you. Calm down, sit down. You might hear rrr, 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 coming in too sooner or later. <laughs> oh, it's on Lou. It's on Lou. <laughs> well, hey, um, I think that's a good stopping point today. Yeah. You know, so. Um, good game. It was. You know, it, this is where we are. This is um, where it's going to be. <laughs> We're going to get better at this, I promise. Um, and we're going to get better at it, and we're going to look forward to it, and we're going to have some guests. And uh, maybe the next week we should try to find a guest. Yeah, and open up the Car Scoop Hotline. The hotline. Yeah. Phone calls. Uh, we, we need live phone calls. That <laughs> we need that. I need that in my life. Well, when I when – I, when I, uh, Put this car, this podcast out there. I had to cl- cl- click. Is it going to be explicit or not? You know. Oh yeah, it is. And so I said, yeah, because listen, it's a car business and there's cuss words. Um, you know, we're not going to be gross, but if somebody wants to say what they want to say, they can say it. Hey, I've done extremely good. I haven't dropped one. <laughs> you have yet. You have, but we will. I know, absolutely. but we will. But hey, again, guys, thanks for listening. Stay tuned. Uh, like us, share us. You know, all those fun things, and tell us who you want to hear. Um, on the next uh, episode of Car Snoop. Thanks for joining us. I'm Cole. I'm Chris. See you. Listening to Car Jocks. See you next time. Bye bye.